This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where every week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry and discuss what's going on in our business. Plus, we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week, we'll be talking to Joey Gabra of New Media Services. First of all, today, let's cover some of the news going on in our industry. Content creator Sophie Ladder noticed that different content platforms had different notions of what they considered restricted content. So Ladder, who's also a photographer, a DOM, and a web developer, decided to compile the variations in the form of a shareable spreadsheet. Today, her spreadsheet of restrictions to adult content, mapping the corporate self-censorship imposed on content creators, has grown to 21 adult selling sites and 16 categories. You can see the spreadsheet on Sophie's Twitter page. The U.S. Copyright Office has released a lengthy report on the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, or DMCA, calling for Congress to modify certain aspects of the Safe Harbor Doctrine that protects tube sites, both for mainstream and adult content, from copyright liability. According to its introductory letter, the publication of this report is the final output of several years of effort by the Copyright Office to assist Congress with evaluating ways to update the Copyright Act for the 21st century. Although the report did not recommend sweeping changes to the DMCA, it reached the conclusion that the act had been tilted since its inception with the end result that tech companies and platforms were more protected than copyright owners. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We've just reduced the price on a network of two foot fetish pay sites. The first site is an all-tickling fetish site with every category of tickling. The primary focus is female and female tickling. The second site has forced orgasms as well as hand jobs, all with a fetish twist featuring showing of feet in the videos. The hand jobs are more taboo, female domination themed. There are also a number of highly profitable clips for sale stores as well, featuring the content. The most profitable of those stores features foot worship. Some of the stores are top 50 in the world in clips for sale, and one has been as high as number 4 in the world. Since the owner has never built out a foot worship site, but has plenty of content for one, this is a wonderful opportunity for a new owner. Also, the owner has never advertised a site or started an affiliate program. A new owner could do both and instantly boost sales. The company has over 11,000 videos in their content library, all exclusive. Also, since the owner has been out of the day-to-day operations of the company for some time, a new owner will have the opportunity to keep on the current people who are operating the network, so there will be no interruption in a new owner's ability to get content. Now time for this week's interview. Today I am delighted to have as my guest on Adult Site Broker Talk, Joey Gabra, Solutions Director at New Media Services. Joey's the kind of guy in this industry who either knows everyone or everyone knows him. Don't you agree with that, Joey? That's very nice of you to say, but yeah, I'd say <laughs> at this point in my career, <laughs> I mean, no yeah, there's, there's, the, the, web is, the web has been weaved quite no long. No kidding. So, so uh, he's been in the adult space as long as I can remember. He's one of the true icons in the space. 
Joey has always been a joy to be around and is a great partner for many of us in the adult industry. Now, New Media Services is quite a company. Here's a bit about them from their website. At New Media Services, they focus on a commitment to teamwork between staff and customers to ensure the growth and success of everyone involved. Their tailor-made outsourcing services provide growing businesses with the support and expertise that increases their efficiency and improves their bottom line. In 2007, Martin Iking established the company with only five employees handling basic consumer messaging. Over the years, NMS has gained in-depth knowledge across a wide variety of outsourcing services to ensure their customers are totally taken care of. From five staff at Starbucks to over 1,500 staff today, they have not stopped growing. Now, today, the services they provide continue to empower businesses around the world to perform at their absolute best and grow alongside NMS. Their services include live chat, multilingual customer support, video production, content services, virtual employees, website and app design and development, social media, moderation services, IT systems, and admin tools and bulk SMS services. Oof, did I leave anything out, Joe? That is a mouthful. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's, you it's, know it's, what? I think you got it mostly covered. Yeah, that's uh, that's many mouths full. Now I know <laughs> you guys recently moved into a new state-of-the-art facility in the Philippines. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, it's actually pretty cool. So this is, you know, our founder Martin had um, really, you know, this about ten years ago. Uh, you uh-huh. know, they were growing pretty rapidly and we went from kind of one building to the next, uh, just to kind of keep up with the amount of people that were, we were onboarding. Um, mm-hmm. and around that time, you know, he's, he's this really, he's got this, he's got his head in the clouds constantly. And there was a conversation we were having at dinner, um, about, uh, where do you see the company 10 years from now? Now you weren't even back and with the had, company then, were you Joey? No, I wasn't with the company. I'd known Martin for some time, and uh, and I'll, I'll but you maybe worked, we'll touch but on you it. Worked, but you worked with them early on, though, didn't you? Correct. Yes. Okay. So I I had been, you know, a, a part of the NMS family, so to speak, right. for mm-hmm. we're, we're going on more than ten years now. Um, in a number of projects, and and I helped uh, grow a lot of the uh, inner workings of the business and develop things mm-hmm. for them a bit. While I only became an official member of the team about five four years ago. Okay. Um, finish, finish your but, story. But Martin Sorry, and I go way back. Anyways, yeah, so we, we, we go back a ways, and I'd been out to the Philippines to help out with things. So this is one of our uh, projects that we're working on, and he has that conversation, you know, asking people around the table, where do you see this company in 10 years? Um, and at the time, I believe we were about maybe we had just kind of hit the 50-person mark, and we had a few executives mm-hmm. that we always spent our time together uh, working on things. So mm-hmm. um, he had almost to a T described this building 10 years ago. I imagine us here and, you know, blah, 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 blah. It kind of goes, breaks it down to this dream building, this facility that he thinks is going to be, you know, the coolest thing. And he describes it, <laughs> state of the art, future proof, the whole nine. And I, it's shocking. And so here we are today. Um, the project starts about two and a half years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. We, you know, put the shovels to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the building's up and running, and we've got our staff in there. And it's just huh. sort of what you would imagine, you know, this new 
millennium of you know the tech buildings, right? So you right. know, like the, the Google buildings, everything's uh-huh. everything's touchscreen, everything's sensors. There's no buttons in the entire building. Um, yeah, I saw the I saw the I saw the videos. It's very cool. Yeah, it's a neat place, and every you know, from the coffee machines to there's a restaurant, <laughs> a cafe in there for everybody, right. and right. Um, you don't there's facial recognition. I mean, it's a whole thing. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's it's kind of. And for the Philippines, it's a huge deal. I'd say in most sort of, um, for lack of a better term, more first worldy type of sure. countries, this uh-huh. may not be as big of a deal, but it's still. I mean, it's, it's quite nice. But you know, we, we see this uh, quite often in the area in the Philippines where we are. It's it's not. It's there's nothing like it. You know, so uh-huh. it's this amazing sort of thing. And and the big. The big thing about that was that Martin also wanted to create a place for people to want to come to work. You know, he wanted this to be a desirable location. We were always looking for really great talent and Mm -hmm. we want to make sure we can provide for them in every way possible. And so that was a big deal for him to make sure that we had a place there that they really looked forward to spending all their time. Oh, yeah. And so mission accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of competition these days in the Philippines for good talent, I would think. Big time, big time. Yeah. And that was also part of why we chose the location. You know, we're we're in a place called Baguio City, about Uh five hours outside of Manila, um, where it's still competitive, but it is less competitive. And it's a big university town. So we're able to get a lot of fresh talent at the schools who are, you know, hungry to work and that kind of thing. So it's it's really nice. Uh Nice. Okay, let's let's talk about you, not the businessman, but the sure. other guy. Now, I know you have a variety of interests outside of adult. You are an accomplished musician. You're a photographer. You're more than a bit of a tech geek. So, tell me more. Yeah, so, um, you know, music, I'm going on now 30 years, having uh, oh. been playing, uh, been a total, you know, music nerd, music junkie for a long time. And, yeah, I did have uh, for the better part of my twenties, I had a good run with some albums and some tours and, uh, then, you know, life happens, marriage, kids, the whole thing. And that all has to slow down. Um, and, uh, yeah. So we, as I was starting to find my place in, in the world, in terms of my career, what my forever work was going to be, um, my wife and I moved around. We lived in London. We lived in some parts of the States and, um, we finally kind of, found our footing, um, especially once we got pregnant and it was time to settle down and, and figure, you know, figure stuff out. Uh-huh. Um, so in California where we're born and raised, uh, we had three kids and life was moving pretty quickly. The career has been going unbelievably well. Uh, thank goodness. Yeah. And the next thing I realized is I've got, you know, a, a phone full of memories and videos and pictures and they're just kind of, you know, how everybody's phones can be. You take pictures, you never look back at them ever again. Um, and so I decided maybe I'll invest in a really nice camera and it'll just force me to uh, be more, you know, organized with the photos and just to kind of keep up with stuff and actually make photo albums and just to care more about the pictures I'm taking. Sure. And that kind of spiraled. Um for those who know me know that when I buy something and it seems kind of cool, then I dive real deep into it. And so oh, yeah. I bought a camera just to take a few nice pictures of my kids. And here I am $50,000 later with every possible <laughs> gorgeous lens you could think of. 
Like I said, no, like I said, tech geek. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you wouldn't. I mean, so yeah, right now as, as it stands, um, I got real into it. You know, I got the lighting, uh-huh. I got the lenses and one uh-huh. thing led to another and people, because I did start uh, caring about the pictures I was taking and I, I kept it real organized. I shared a lot. I kept photo albums uh-huh. uh, that we would leave out on the table and people really liked what I was doing with the pictures. Um, and I did too. I actually really found that photography was something that uh, allowed me to be creative, uh-huh. which I needed because I wasn't playing that much music anymore. And uh-huh. um, that creativity I could take with me everywhere. I could always bring my camera somewhere, especially with what we do, um, uh-huh. Bruce, in the digital media uh-huh. world, you know, traveling like crazy. Correct. Uh, I was able to bring a couple of lenses and a camera with me everywhere and take pictures and, and feel like I was, you know, getting a little bit of that sort of creative outlet that I needed. And, um, oddly enough, people back in LA even wanted to pay me to do it, which was <laughs> shocking. So I, uh, I got a few clients, I started doing some paid shoots and that turned into a thing. And then not long after, uh, just three years ago, we moved to San Antonio. We decided it was time to, God, has, it, has it been three years now? It's been three years, almost exactly. Next month will be three years. Yeah. My God. Time and, flies. Um, as it does, and you know that we can get into that in a, in a minute. But we left mm. LA mainly because we, you know, we started a, our family's young, and uh-huh. um, it's just not the place to raise a young family and make sure that all three of our kids were going to turn out decent people. So I have my opinion <laughs> about LA that I'm sure some people <laughs> will argue. But anyways, we felt it was time to go, so we came to San Antonio, and that's where it all really, in terms of the photography side of things, um, uh-huh. you know, when I wasn't doing my full time gig uh, with NMS. Uh, I was getting a lot of work out here. You know, I did a couple mm-hmm. of family shoots and it's a nice community out here in San Antonio where they, they, they did all the work for me. They spread the word. Um, sure. you know, I'd say as of today, it's, it's a real second business for me. Um, I'm, I'm working almost all the time when I'm not doing NMS things. Um, mm-hmm. and circle back to the music thing. Now that my kids are a little older and they're in school and, and life's gotten a little bit more easier to manage. I'm in a band again. I'm playing music and uh, nice. we're, we're working every weekend. And yeah. So, you know, in terms of the, the creative side, yeah. Uh, photography and music is now playing a much bigger role in my life here in my early forties where it wasn't looking that way, you know, even five years ago, it was looking like there wouldn't be much of that creative outlet that I needed um, happening. Cause I didn't know what things were going to look like once the kids came into the picture, but uh, it's been mm-hmm. nice. Uh, San Antonio has been good to me. Uh-huh. And yeah, so that's where I'm at now. Um, you know, uh-huh. I'm, I'm working when I can with with the music and the photography, and then uh, juggling the kids, which has been uh-huh. a blast, especially out here in Texas. There's a lot, um, uh-huh. a lot of fun stuff to do out here that you don't really get in the big city, uh, sure. like in Los Angeles. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. I mean, in the you know fast version of it, at least. <laughs> I hear great things about San Antonio. That's one place in Texas I haven't been, but I do want to go because yeah, I, no- I hear nothing but good things about it. I'll tell you what. Uh, the neat thing is, and, and because, you know, a, a lot of guys in our business, you know, when we're sort of the the opposite of whatever Texas is, right? So I got here, huh. you know, knowing that I'm not a Republican, I'm not a religious guy. Yeah, I, I was going to say. You know, I don't <laughs> own a gun, I don't own a hat, a belt buckle, or boots, and I never will. Um, 
and God. it's all these things. And those are like the first, you know, five questions you get asked. Oh, you just, mm-hmm. you just moved here. Oh, cool. Where's, where's your, what church do you go to? What, you know, who do you vote yeah. for? Where's your, where's your belt buckle? Where's your hat? Oh, um, do you, vote your that kind of shit. And <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a legitimate thing. You know, when, when, yeah. when they meet the new guy, those are things, but anyways, San Antonio uh-huh. was really nice. We got here and I, w- I, those were, minor concerns of mine. I knew it wasn't going to be a big issue that we weren't sort of the typical Texan at all, but mm-hmm. it was a thing that had nagged at me and I got mm-hmm. here and the people here are so unbelievably lovely. Um, mm-hmm. you know, knowing what they know, you know, all, mm-hmm. all my neighbors and the people we've met that, that were mm-hmm. not your typical text. We, we still got the warm hug. Um, you know, our neighbors came and brought us cakes and and whiskey and welcome gifts, you know, which, which never happens where, you know, where I lived in LA, you don't, you don't bring people gifts, you know, welcome to no. the neighborhood type of thing. No. Um, everybody did it and everybody's hmm. been so lovely. And we've, you know, we've seen a bit of Texas now and it, it's just becoming, um, I think there was a time when Texas was really what people, you know, textbook, Texas Republican mm-hmm. religious hardcore and and it's mm-hmm. not like that anymore. Um, well, you got a lot of you got a lot of Californians out there now. Well, that's that's a big one. Everybody's kind of jumping ship and, and coming to places <laughs> like Texas and Tennessee for now because <laughs> you know, yeah, for all the right reasons. So yeah, that's that's true. That there's a huge mix of transplants here now that right. kind of right. maybe help balance the scales a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, we heard about uh, Joey the person. Let's talk about Joey the businessman. Um, talk a little bit about your background, uh, you, what you're up to now, which you, you capsuled some of that. But I know you've had yeah. many lives in our industry. So uh, talk a bit about it. Yeah. So I think it goes, I mean, it goes back a lot further than I think uh, people realize. But I mm-hmm. started back. Oh gosh, nearly 20 years ago where mm-hmm. the internet was coming to a place where uh, Google AdWords was a big thing, like a huge thing. I mean, it just mm-hmm. came out. And so we were learning what SEO was. Um, sure. We were learning about Google AdWords, AdWords. And I was, uh, I joined on with a company uh, called Telic Media at the time. They're not around anymore, but that was what they did. They okay. focused on Google ad strategies and at the mm-hmm. time, uh, you know, they were, they were the big boys. So I had learned a lot of what online marketing was, uh-huh. uh, from, from there. And then around 2006, um, this thing happened, this crazy thing happened June, 2006, some maniac said, I'm going to create a touchscreen phone and we're going to call it an iPhone. And uh-huh. God love him. Right. <laughs> and, um, Things exploded. There was really sure. nobody in the tech world that had experience with advertising on a handheld device that was going to mm. be our new, our new means for you know surfing and and, and uh, taking in content. And mm-hmm. so some of these big companies who kind of had sort of the foresight to say, okay, well we need to start planning ahead somehow. Um, mm-hmm. They were looking for online marketers like myself, people who, I mean, I had no mobile experience whatsoever in terms of uh, these types of devices, but I had online experience. Nobody. Yeah. So we (laughs) were learning. Uh Um, 2006, I joined up with a company that we know quite well uh, today Uh in our industry called Twistbox. Right. And uh, 
that was sort of where I got my start in all of this uh, uh, sort of what we refer to as adult or high risk digital media space, um, mm-hmm. where Twistbox was really focusing on creating mobile product, uh, uh-huh. you know, so any sort of online adult content that you could consume from a mobile device, but also focused on how best to monetize it because at the time, you know, submitting a credit card to your cell phone was not only torturous because it's this tiny little screen and it's asking you for so much info, but it uh-huh. still didn't feel safe. Uh, we didn't really know Correct. how protected our information was. So there were uh, the other ways to monetize things were, were uh, you know, alternative billing solutions. And um, uh-huh. at Twistbox, the big one was mobile billing. This was a way to directly collect money. Uh, for you know a subscription or a service or a product uh, and pay directly to your mobile carrier and the mobile carrier and Twistbox had the partnership and so when I paid for my mobile content the mobile carrier AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile whoever would pay me a cut and that was it okay. and it was really easy it was usually one or two clicks and you're paid and it was the easiest way to collect money and consume content and especially when it's for an impulse buy like sure. some sort of adult content gambling uh-huh. you don't want to give them too much time to hang anyways right. that was where the business really stemmed like okay we've got this figured out um uh-huh. and from around 2006 2007 all the way to gosh 2011 2012 uh-huh. this was big big bit and this is where uh-huh. i was complete sort of entrenched in everything mobile billing and uh-huh. you know the smart devices were exploding everything uh-huh. android iphone i anything with a touchscreen that was smaller than your computer um we were working with and creating content and and the whole nine Mm -hmm. so um what happens is now that cell phones and all those things are are taking over the desktop space essentially you know now we Mm -hmm. we know that um you you know we're we're getting more traffic on mobile than we are on desktop people are using their apps and consuming adult content and everything else under the sun more so from a device than, uh, you know, from a handheld device than a desktop. So Uh this means it needs to be more regulated. Um, so the mobile characters and the governments and everybody are getting involved in making sure that it's not so easy to consume that content anymore, content anymore. When you're looking at things like adult um, on your phone. Yeah. You know, and it's just as easy to, you just click one button uh, then any kid can say, yes, I'm 18, give me porn, and it's done, right? And of course, this this doesn't have anything to do with a lot of the you know the free porn and adult right. content that's been you know all over the place. That's kind of a separate discussion, uh-huh. but what we're paying for on these mobile devices. So by around that time, uh, 2012, it, uh-huh. the company I was with, uh, this, was, this was the first version of Twistbox, we'll say, because uh-huh. uh, we had We've gone through quite a bit of changes, and because of all these regulations, Twistbox um, essentially ceased to exist or uh, just wasn't really working anymore. Um, We've gone from a huge amount of staff and money to virtually none. Um, And I ended up uh, working with another company based in Paris. This was now we're getting about 2011, 2012, Uh called Wister. Uh-huh. who had really sort of cornered the French market for the exact same thing I was doing with Twistbox in terms of mobile uh-huh. billing and free products and that kind of thing. And because uh-huh. 
now I've got what would be considered pretty extensive experience in the mobile space and the mobile billing space specifically. Um, it's probably safe to say that I was sort of a desirable catch, you know, uh, <laughs> for companies like Wister, uh, where I could not only help manage the monetization aspects of these things, but I could also grow them out of France into more regions. Um, I had a pretty strong network of connections to uh, kind of help things move and shake a little better and faster than they were able to do. So that started probably when you say, you know, I know a lot of people and a lot of people know me and the recognition and, and sort of those types of things started kicking in. It probably really started with Wister. Um, this yeah. company, we started doing so well and becoming so cash rich so fast that um, it sort of exploded into this really cool marketing machine, right? You know, we, yeah. we knew that the strategy here was not only to get our, our services and our products into more countries, which we did, mm-hmm. but we needed the traffic. And we needed, you know, sure. so that's where the affiliate program came in. And mm-hmm. we had Affil for You, which is the right. brand I think most people know. Um, sure. And so I sort of became the face of the Affil for You brand, where mm-hmm. it was simply my job to get out there and get the traffic. We knew now that we had sort of perfected a way to monetize it, at least mm-hmm. at the time, the most effectively and efficiently as possible. Mm-hmm. And now we needed the affiliates. We needed the people to start throwing traffic our way and we were going to clean up, you know, and we did. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. Every bit of traffic we get, we um, monetized it the best way possible. And we had a really great run for, for several years, yeah. um, you know, and, and that's where all the interesting things, the trade shows and those types of things really do have a powerful impact on not only, you know, the brand strength, but really finding all that new business, um, which, which has changed quite a bit as of late because the models are changing, the regulations are changing, but you know, of course where, and that's, that's a whole other thing, but, um, yeah, where are we now? So that was then. So yeah, right around 2016, um, Mm -hmm. another, you know, huge sort of regulation, I don't know, a a shift kind of came and that was because Mm -hmm. our, uh, yeah, you know, the affiliates are getting smarter, but with that came sort of more devious things. And so the affiliates, a lot of them, not all of them, but quite a few found ways to, I don't know, fudge the system a bit. And, Mm -hmm. um, Every time regulation changes came, which at this point they were coming almost every three months from different carriers in different countries, oh. affiliates were finding smart ways to work around them so that some of those roadblocks for them were non-existent in certain cases. Mm-hmm. And it became for me and my team, for that matter, a, a constant struggle because every time regulations and compliance, those rules are broken, mm-hmm. we don't just get a slap on the wrist. We get you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of fines. Shit. And uh, so when you're spending now the better part of your days, uh, you know, fighting fraud, uh, visiting governments, trying to, you know, plead your case that this wasn't me, this wasn't me, this was some Uh guy in his bedroom, you know, doing Uh funny things with his traffic. um, It became more about that and less about just doing my job and making money. Uh, I remember that. 
Yeah. And so that's it. So, you know, it, it, again, and it was another one of the things similar to the sort of the twist box thing. It's, uh, you know, another four or five years goes by and, uh, it's looking tough. A lot of the businesses in the mobile billing space are starting to close their doors or shrink right. to almost right. nothing. Uh-huh. And that was happening with Wister as well. So, uh, I felt it was time to start looking. I could, since I'd been through this already, I had to huh. kind of plan ahead. I knew where this was going. Sure. Everything has so, a run, right? I, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. this, this, this was great. And, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to say that the, the, the Wister team is kicking ass right now and, and mm-hmm. things really actually worked out really well for them, but we'll save that for another story, but it, it all went well. <laughs> um, but I knew that there was, so I, when it was time for me to leave Worcester, uh-huh. there was a, a couple of ways I needed to look at this. And one was, do I just go find another sort of uh, wh- whatever the, the hot thing is right now and try to ride uh-huh. that way for another four or five years until it's time for me to, you know, make another move? Or do I kind of look for something where there's a real long-term potential? And sure. the reason... NMS made sense to me when I started talking to Martin uh, about working with new media services. Uh-huh. The one thing that always made sense is, you know, from from the service provider side of things, right? You know, when uh-huh. when you talk about the gold rush, um, uh-huh. you know, it wasn't it wasn't the people who found the gold who were making all the money. Uh-huh. It was the hotels who brought them there. It was the trains who brought them there to the right. gold rush. You know, it was the service providers. And that's kind of tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so this is what you know. What media services was was a way to know that no matter what, our job was just to always provide what people needed, as long as we stayed in, I guess, stayed on top of what those demands were, and we kept you know our thumb on the pulse of the network we were a part of in terms of digital media and, and, and both mainstream and adult. Uh-huh. then we would be able to find a way to always give them what they needed. And right. in where we're now as an outsourcing company for, you know, and, that, and I think calling ourselves an outsourcing company is, is just a really sort of dumbed down way to, to bundle up all the things that we do. Yeah. Um, but it, it is like what you said in our description earlier, where we're this sort of group of people who will tailor make solutions to uh-huh. best suit your needs and in uh-huh. this world now we're full of startup companies um, uh-huh. and even just some of the medium level companies who can't quite get past that certain point of growth um, uh-huh. they need that extra set of eyes ears and hands and minds to uh-huh. kind of help push them forward and you know at at better rates in the whole night you know it, it's sure. outsourcing right a lot of people right. do this simply because it's uh, it's budget friendly but right. um, we wanted to make it a little bit more interesting. So, yeah, that's it. So, it, you know, here we are now um, going on four years with new media services. And uh, for once, you know, here four years have gone by and I don't feel like our, our business is being threatened by anything. Things haven't no. slowed down at all. It's only sped up. It just keeps getting better because, you know, I, without tooting my horn, I mean, I was right. This was the right uh-huh. place to be. This is you know, with the way the world changes and grows and shifts, we, we strategically put ourselves in a position to kind of facilitate that. And Uh uh, that's the best thing you can do. So yeah, that's, gosh, um, I think I pretty much (laughs) 
covered it all in terms of my career, but that's kind of where, what brought me yeah. here. Okay. And you kind of covered some of this, but now what benefits, why should somebody come and work with new media services now? Well, yeah, I think it comes down to uh, a few things, depending on, you know, if you're local staff in the Philippines, the, mm -hmm. for me, the obvious reason is the growth potential. We are, um, we have this sort of mentality of making sure we take care of our people, not just mm -hmm. by doing the things we're supposed to do, but, but going beyond mm -hmm. that. So providing right. that facility now, that building, but we, we mm -hmm. pay better than everybody we look after you. We, you know, we help with, uh, they have kids who need, uh, school education. They need extra mm -hmm. vehicles. We, we have a bunch of company cars. Mm -hmm. uh, we provide transportation, um, for yes. all of our employees. We have our own Jeez. buses and vans that will take you to and mm -hmm. from work. We try to really, uh, go above and beyond what's needed. And for, for a lot of reasons, one, you know, this now means you've got, there's no reason for you not to come to work. Not, mm -hmm. you know, we've, we've got you covered. Um, Correct. and we created this sort of family thing. So that's, that's, yeah. the you know, the, the, the local staff, um, are given all the things that are not commonly given in a place like the Philippines. And so yeah. they, they feel that they want to work there. They uh -huh. don't want to leave. So our turnover is really low considering we have over a thousand staff. Um, it's shockingly low. Uh, that's good. And then, yeah, it is. It's great. And then outside of that, you know, it's always been this sort of, um, it's really neat with this company because of the way we have to be so malleable in what we do. Uh -huh. It really lets you be creative. Um, uh -huh. I, I come in to the company with one sort of idea of what I was going to do and what I was, what I was meant to bring to the table. Uh -huh. And it's changed a lot um, for the better where I realized, Oh, so we've got so much resources available to us that every time I have a stupid idea, we can try it. That's insane. <laughs> and so that's awesome. And that's what it is awesome. And what Martin yeah. and I would do. And, and for that matter, anybody who joins the team from not just locally, but you know, uh -huh. we have, we have international staff all over uh, Europe right. and America, uh -huh. you know, these guys, they say, okay, well, I just had a dumb idea for an app. I had a dumb idea for a website. I have an idea for this and that. And, um, okay, well, we've got the resources to do it. Uh, uh -huh. if it's, we're not going to make it a priority unless we can, you know, we can back it up with something, but we'll check it out. And uh -huh. a lot of time, you know, nine out of 10 times, they're bad ideas. They don't go anywhere, but we, we always, there's, all, there's always that one, right? And, and if you do that enough times, right. um, you know, which you hundreds of times a year, just dumb ideas uh -huh. all day long, they stick. And yeah. so, yeah, that's yeah. kind of where it's gone. And, and that's what I love about this company, to be able sure. to have sort of that freedom to, to throw stuff out there and the ability to exercise it. Um, and uh, when, when we say no idea is a bad idea, huh. uh, we actually mean it. <laughs> which is That's cool. Really, <laughs> well, it seems like it comes it from the really top. Martin's, Martin seems like, um, you know, very special guy. Yeah, yeah, he is, and uh -huh. um, you know, I think he had always sort of made sure of that along the way that he was able to provide that sort of environment and that uh -huh. comfort level. Um, this wasn't something that just came when there was enough money to do it. It was always sure. this way. Um, sure. Everybody really felt like they were a part of this, even when there weren't two pennies to rub together. So it, it's uh -huh. been really cool. Uh -huh. 
And we talked about this a little bit before the call, but uh, how's the virus treating you, Joey? (laughs) The virus. What virus? What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I thought about, I thought, "Eh, you know, maybe we'll just skip that, but uh, ah, part of life, right? It is interesting. Well, I'll tell you why. So we don't have to get too deep into it. But if, if mm-hmm. you know, if the focus of this conversation is meant to kind of circle back to what we do, um, mm-hmm. it actually is kind of interesting. This will this will give you some insight on, on what mm-hmm. what I think is going on in our world right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, me personally, um, I work from home anyways. So this isn't a huge stretch to be stuck at home doing things like this. Like I said, too, the, big, yeah. the big difference. Yeah. The big uh-huh. difference is just having the kids home and doing the homeschooling and trying to kind uh-huh. of rework our day to days a little bit. But sure. so it's not having, thankfully, a tremendous effect on us. Um, uh-huh. And and I kind of have been doing my best to step back and look at it like, well, if this is what has to happen right now, at least I'm here at home with my kids all the time. There's a lot of things and a lot of time with and experiences that I'm getting with them that I, I never uh-huh. would have had. Um, and they're young, you know, three, six and eight. So this is a, this huh. is a time that really, you know, this sort of developmental ages. It's that a are rare, a opportun- deal. It's a rare so, opportunity as a parent, I think. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely it is uh-huh. no question. And uh-huh. so, you know, I'm trying to keep that sort of positive spin on it as well, because more often than uh-huh. not, it's, it's, it's challenging. So sure. as far as that goes, uh, that's, you know, where, where we stand at home with the virus, but interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, when the quarantine started going into like a full global effect, mm-hmm. uh, of course we were all worried and we've got this brand new office that just opened <laughs> not a few months ago. And we're thinking, yeah. holy shit, nobody's, nobody's going to use the office. This great right. piece of work we built mm-hmm. and, and now it's going to be empty for the rest of the year. This is crazy. Um, and so Aside from the fact that it did happen now, the office has been closed for, I think, uh-huh. almost seven, six weeks or something wow. like that, five, six weeks. Um, what ended up happening was business started booming. And I'll explain why. I don't think we got into it too much. But uh-huh. one of our biggest sort of items on the menu uh-huh. uh, is our ch- services. I know you mentioned it when you were describing the company earlier, but uh-huh. we do, you know, support services, customer support as, as a lot of outsourcing sort of call center operations do. And sure. we also do a chat service. And a lot of times this uh-huh. is on social media or dating sites. <clears throat> uh, you will have companies like mine engage with the users to kind of get members uh-huh. of the sites just a little more active while the sites sure establishing themselves so i get uh, it i get it yeah right so that type of thing what's happening now is um i guess while people are stuck at home they're spending a lot time in these chat environments you know through social media through you might you might be in an online gambling you know online poker room and there's these little chat rooms in there Uh where people are engaging more and we help facilitate a lot of those chats when when those rooms go quiet or they Right. Things are getting boring. We'll, we'll jump in and say, "Hey guys, what's going on?" You know, whatever. So, uh-huh. is these chat services are really valuable to um, online businesses because keeping uh-huh. people interested and engaged is what it's all about. Right. And it just blew up. It has completely huh. blown up. We, you know, That's some awesome. of our biggest clients are the, are the dating sites, uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. And I'm hearing, um, you know, I don't know how long this lasts. Eventually, people who are at home, um, you know, especially the ones losing their jobs, aren't going to be able to afford these subscriptions for much longer. But Correct. this first month and a half, two months has been awesome for us. That's, that's um, awesome. I know that's it's great. Been difficult for a lot of people. Yeah, but we, we've uh-huh. been really lucky. So while we're working at home. Um, our business is, has gone up nearly, I think, 15%. Um, and wow. it's a complete, it's a total reflection of, of what's happening in the dating and uh, online sure. engagements uh, industries. So, yeah, it's, uh-huh. it's the virus in that, in that regard for us has been, um, I don't like to say it's a good thing, but it, it has definitely made the business uh, better. Hey, somebody's making money on it at least. You know, it might as well be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean the circumstances are weird, and I don't, I don't, you know, I want yeah. this to stop tomorrow. Um, well, nobody but, wants nobody wants to profit from it, but at the very least, uh, you know, at least it's good for yeah. somebody, which is which is good. Yeah, um, yeah, so, business business is good here too, so that's uh, that's a good good thing. good. Well, Joey, you know, it's always a pleasure. Um, I always enjoy talking to you, whether it be in person at a show or. You know, or or on Skype or or whatever, but likewise, uh, likewise, I'd like to I'd like to thank you so much for being on Adult Site Broker Talk, and I hope to get you back for a future show. Thanks again, Bruce. Thank you very much, and for everybody listening out there, I go back many years with Bruce. Um, I have a feeling this this show is actually going to be awesome. He is not only a great talker, but one of the smarter guys I've been lucky enough to to sit and and, and chat with. I always pick up little pearls of wisdom from Bruce when I, when I, uh, when I, whenever I get the chance. So I encourage everybody keep listening and uh, thank you again, Bruce. Thanks a lot. Thanks my brother. My broker tip today is part two of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Keep your website design up to date. Do a redesign from time to time. People will tend to think your site is the same as ever and click out of it without even looking if something doesn't change. So keep it fresh and up to date. Times change, so should your website. Look at what your competitors are doing and see what it is that you really like. Emulate success. If you know a site to be particularly successful, look at what it is they're doing and do some of the same things. I'm not saying copy it. I'm just suggesting you improve your site by looking around a bit. You've got to keep up with the times or you'll end up being left behind. Also, keep an eye on your competition and make sure you're offering everything on your site that they are and more. Don't just look at their design, but make sure your offers are good and you're competitive. The same goes for your content. Do you ever wonder why one site does well and others don't? Check out the competition's content. What are they doing that you're not doing? Be willing to make changes. People can't understand why they're losing sales to a competitor, yet the competitor is clearly doing everything better. Emulate success. Make sure everything on your website works well. Make sure all of your links work properly. Check them on a regular basis. If things don't work, you're going to lose customers. People are not patient these days. People's attention spans are like that of a gnat. They click out immediately and go on to the next result in Google if they don't find what they're looking for, if the site is hard to navigate, or if things don't work. Check all of your internal scripts and plugins, and make sure they're updated regularly as well. We'll talk more about this subject next week. 
And next week, we'll be talking to Holly Rupert of Playboy. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Joey Gabber. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.